All right, we've got podcast number three here. I am so excited to introduce our next guest, who is a online coach, a nutritionist, and a teacher. Ladies and gents, we've got Fikra Maksuvna here. Thank you so much for coming on, Fikra. Not at all. Happy to be here. I would love if you could just kind of introduce a little bit about who you are and what you do and kind of how you've got to where you are. So, yeah, my name is Fikra Maksuvna. I'm online coach, nutritionist, and teacher living in Leakslip in Kildare. Um, so I suppose as part of my full-time job, if you like, I work as a teacher. I teach business and home economics, funnily enough. Uh, I do online coaching then, mainly focused on nutrition, food behaviours, with some, we'll call it like high-performance goals in there that I've, a few people do marathons. I've done a few inter-county. I have someone training for like senior football teams and stuff, but mainly focused on behaviour change, lifestyle focus. And then on like a personal level, I, I would train quite a bit. So I'm currently training for an ultra marathon. I've done some other ultra endurance events before um, and also physique based training as well. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah, unreal. I'd like to point out as well, at the time of recording this, that it is 4am in Ireland at the moment. So the dedication to this is honestly unbelievable. I'd love if you could kind of chat through kind of a little bit about like how you find balance with all of your commitments and everything uh, yeah there definitely is a lot of commitments like there's no doubt about it a lot of the stuff that i do is commitments to others so it's not things that you can slack on mm-hmm. whereas say with my training if anything's like i've prioritized five areas of my life like i've, I've mapped out five areas and training is the bottom one because that's kind of for one for myself so that is mm-hmm. something that is the on my lowest priority whereas other things the likes of being a teacher, the likes of being a coach, you're there serving others. So if I'm not at 100% or if I'm not committed to it, I'm letting other people down. And well, you can't do that. That's just a non-negotiable. So the way that I would balance things is that I don't, I don't really, to be perfectly honest, I just overly commit to most things and do my best to get them all done. I try not to cut corners at any area. So mm-hmm. the main, I suppose, I don't want to say secret, but I would focus on making sure that I'm hitting all my priorities. Number one is just time. Like I'm just willing to put a lot of time into all of these things. Like say it's four o'clock here, but this is probably the only time that suits me. Do you know what I mean? In that I've got uh, I've a run to do later. I've run to do after this, then going to school. I can't do the podcast while I'm in school or after school because I've got calls after school with clients. So from we'll say half seven, eight o'clock until about half seven, eight o'clock tonight, I'm kind of serving others and I need to be on the ball for that. So then this is my only window of opportunity, if you like, where I can do extra bits, extra stuff. So things like any coaching education stuff, any courses I want to do, any education on that end, any like admin back end on the business side of things, they'll all get done in the morning, get them out of the way. Because once kind of school rolls around, you're serving others and then you're coaching and you're talking to other people. Whereas at least now, I don't think a client is going to jump on a call with me at four o'clock in the morning. So I can look after the bits my own bits now and then once half seven rolls around it's serving others so that's kind of the first thing I do is that I'm just willing to put in time like yesterday was about four until about 10 o'clock four a.m. until about 10 o'clock now that was a very long day but mm-hmm. it's just being willing to put the time in um, and also being having the absolute luxury and privilege that I don't have kids do you know what I mean so I don't need to serve any other people it's a privilege to be able to like sit at your desk all day and not have to worry about other things you know so I just utilize that privilege I suppose yeah, I think you speak about it in such a nice way. And we've spoken together about you and your teaching and your absolute passion for teaching. I'd love if you could kind of talk a bit about that because I think 
the way that you live your life and where you couldn't, you have to love exactly like everything you do. And I can feel like the absolute passion for me. So if you could speak a bit about like why you love teaching so much and like working with young people as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of on that point as well, because some people do ask like, how would I manage to, to stay on top of things? And like part of it is that I do genuinely love it. Like I yeah. absolutely love it, 100%. Like rest of my day now, say I'll go for a run now, love that. Talking to someone about fitness and stuff right now, love that too. Going to school, unreal. I think, oh, am I baking today? No, we're not actually baking. We did that yesterday. Um, client calls, like I genuinely do love it. And as, as I've said to you before, like most people, lot, not most, a lot of people go there the entirety of their lives without finding something, a career that they love. And they do everything right. They absolutely go to college, work so damn hard. They do every single thing right, but just they never fully find a career that they absolutely love. I've actually, I don't know how, just I've managed to find two different careers that I can do simultaneously that I absolutely love. Like that is wild to me. That is absolutely wild. And that wasn't always the case with me at all. So the fact that I've finally reached something and going into a job that I love, that I'm coaching, this is wild to me. So for that reason, because I love it so much and because I'm so genuinely like grateful that I do love it, that makes it so much easier. So. In terms of like teaching and stuff and what, why do I love it? Um, number one, like the buzz in the classroom is deadly. Like I love the buzz in the classroom, but like walking around the class, places buzzing, asking you questions, everyone's baking. You've got like tw- so, wait, 20 people flat out. It's bedlam. I love that buzz. Um, I, I get on quite well with young people. The potential in young people is wild. And when I say young, I mean, I'm 27. I'm not exactly like granddad. But the potential in like 12 to 18 year olds is wild. And oftentimes like they don't see that potential themselves. Yeah. And I literally say like, you can do this. Like you can actually like, you can be that guy. That meme like yeah. he is like, you can be that guy or that girl or that woman. It's deadly. So seeing that potential is unreal. And just the fact that like, again, it's serving them. Like I go into school in my mind, the students are the clients. So when I go into school, I'm just like, right, grand, we're serving the clients here. You get a good win for them. They come in, they say they're buzzing. Like even one of the students left the school and went to another school, went to an English school over the summer. And then they, they told their like friends to come in and tell me that they finally managed to hit a hundred kilos on bench. And I was like, let's go. Like this this is so cool. And I've seen that potential where like this began like last year, this time last year, he showed me like a clip of his bench and I was like, okay, change this, change that wrote him up a strength program specifically for bench. He finally reached that goal. Like that is class. That's so good. Um, so yeah, I'd say the buzz, the potential, and just the fact that I can know with teenagers, like their gas. That yeah, helps. I love- and it, it is also helped as well. Like there's a caveat here in that the most difficult thing probably in teaching or one of them for a lot of people is the like classroom management side of it. And I'm definitely in a very lucky position in that, like, a lot of the classroom management I find not as challenging as others might, not due to any inherent skill, but must do more due to physical traits. Like, I'm, like, a reasonably large, bald, bearded, loud bloke. So, like, all of those things make it easier for me to manage a classroom. So that is part of it as well, that, like, the biggest challenge that teachers face, I don't face it as much due to physical attributes, not skill. So that is definitely, like, a caveat that helps as well, because if there are teachers listening to this being, like, shut up there is a caveat there that i am in a very privileged position 
like yeah, physically I, to control I think you're probably not giving yourself enough credit there as well, though. It's not just that, you know, I feel like, you know, because you love being there, you're not just doing it just to earn money. I think that definitely, like, students look up to people with such passion like that. So I think it's definitely down to who you are as well. It definitely helps. And it, de- well, yeah, no, it does definitely help. It does definitely help. And it's definitely something that I'm conscious of as well. Like when I said at the beginning, like you're kind of serving people. Like I try to live up to the ideal of being someone who they could look up to. I fall short of that all of the time. And I'm sure the vast majority of them don't look up to me. Students don't really care about teachers. Like they just don't. So I'm not, I'm not under any illusion that they're coming in being like, oh my God, look at this teacher at all. However, I do at least try to be someone who they can look up to if that came to it. Um, like there's mm-hmm. a really famous like teacher over in America called Rita Pearson. And she's talked about this concept of like the one good adult. So I just try to be, I do try to be like that guy for people, students to look up to. Do I always achieve that? Absolutely not. I fall short of that every single day. But that is definitely something that I would use, like a mental tool that I use for myself. So like, like I don't really drink now, but the idea of like going out before and getting melody, the, if I had school the next day, you're not being that guy. So don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% get that. And I think something as well that like you have such passion for as well as educating young people about training and nutrition and having healthy habits start at that age. Because, you know, I feel like that teenage age is a, a time when there's a lot of changes happening, like insecurities, things like that. And it's where a lot of kind of bad habits can start. And I think if, if people at that age have really good education in terms of nutrition and training, you know, that just allows them to progress so much faster in comparison to if they don't have it. I think, you know, you've spoken a bit about how you want to kind of get into more education, but education side of things in terms of nutrition and training. I'd love if you could speak a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so like, 100%, I completely agree. And like, when we're talking about like teenagers getting into quote unquote bad habits, obviously there's going to be some teenagers out there who are going to be Lashing into vapes, lashing into joints, lashing into smokes, can roll like four rollies at the same time, drinking whatever. Kind of separate from that, that that'll always happen, and that's happening due to a multitude of reasons that I am wildly underqualified to answer. However, there are young people out there who, are, so many of them, much more so than when, like what age are you? I'm twenty-four. Yeah, more so than when even when you were in school, it's reasonably new. It's a reasonably new concept. But there's this kind of like hustle culture and like get after it mindset where the lads are looking up to like David Goggins, Jocko. They're like, they want to be like getting after it. And a lot of the women, a lot of the girls are also like, they always would have been a bit more focused, but they're now, they're focused academically, but they're also focused on like sporting goals and they are proper getting after it sports wise. So you've now got this cohort of students who it's socially cool to get after it. I've seen this and I've talked to them about it. Like, and I've literally been like, is this real? Because this is a theory that I had like a year or two ago. And I talked to students. They were like, yeah, like that is 100% a thing. The study notes aesthetic where your notes are all looking unreal. And the notes that the students make in class is unbelievable. And I say to them, like, that's wild. And that's very much a thing, like a study notes aesthetic thing that they want to get. Then you've got the lads who their, their algorithm is giving them like David Goggins, who's going to carry the boats. Like they're shouting that at me. I'm like, let's go. It's unreal. Like, I have a David Goggins poster in my classroom. Um, Love it. Yeah. Oh, oh, always had that. Yeah, 100%. So these are young people 
They've got wild potential, like incredible, incredible potential. They're wicked smart. They're focused. They're really athletic. They train hard. They're on the path, very much so. So they've got these young people and they're out there seeking information. So now you come to kind of the second part of it. The amount of information available about health, fitness, quote, unquote, getting after it is so much more. Like when I started, when I first got into the scene, 2011, 2012, when I was in like second year, third year, I remember going on like dodgy forums and stuff and like asking like 40 year old men, what's the best protein powder for bulking? Like mad stuff. I think Alec was, was the name that I came up with for my forum name. Um, like yeah. going on mad stuff, trying to figure this out. And like, there was no information out there. Um, like, I don't know if you remember, Jacked was like a pre-workout. Like I used to be slamming that at 14 years of age because the information wasn't there. And I looked for the information, but I couldn't find it. Yeah. Whereas the volume of information available now is enormous, absolutely yeah. enormous. And part of that, though, part of the danger with that is that a lot of that information, obviously, is utter nonsense. Obviously, Liver King being like a massive one. There's just a wild amount of quacks and grifters and snake oil salesmen and women out there talking absolute nonsense. So if you mix that together, where you've got this enormous amount of information, some of it unbelievable, some of it absolutely, I would go so far as say dangerous. Yeah. And then you've got a cohort of young people who are famished, ravenous for this information. They are focused, high potential, getting after it, looking for the information. They're going digging in. They haven't got necessarily the skill set or the base level of knowledge to disseminate the good from the nonsense. Okay. They haven't actually got that skill set yet. So then what can happen is they'll get access to information that is utterly nonsense. That will, number one, it could like hold them back. So nutrition-wise, it can actually just stunt their progress. That's the best case scenario. Or the worst case scenario that they're engaging in completely like habits that are very much almost provocative to health, to physical and mental health. So to even take myself back, thinking back now, 2011, I remember like finding Ronnie Coleman's diet plan and thinking that was what I had to eat, but eating so much of it that I was like force feeding myself to the point of like puking in school. That's the lads still talk about that. So I was exposed to that, but the volume of information that is out there now was so much more. So there, you've got that risk where they could develop like seriously distorted eating patterns incredibly like injure themselves in the gym but particularly the sort of the disorder eating patterns one is one that i'm very cognizant of and that i think there's a potential for that to happen but then you've also got incredibly high quality information out there like unbelievable stuff and then if you look at let's say the ruby world cup is on at the moment if you look at the standard of player that's coming through now like when ryan baird came on the scene when like uh kaylin doris came on the scene when james ryan came on the scene these guys were absolutely fully developed animals. They were unbelievable, like in crazy Nick, hitting stats that like athletes 10 years ago wouldn't dream of hitting. And a huge part of that reason is their exposure to good information from a young age. So they were yeah. on the best of training plans, the best nutrition plans, the best of engaging in the best of habits from a very young age. So you, we can already see that happening. So if young people that high potential young person get exposed to high quality information in terms of habit formation, behaviors, nutrition, uh, training. If they get exposed to good information at a young age, that will have an incredible impact on their development 
in terms of health and, and fitness stuff. Life as well, obviously. But again, I'm a bit underqualified to discuss how they should live their lives. But in terms of actual health and fitness, they're exposed to that information. If we can give them and help them disseminate the good from the bad and the accurate from the absolute quackery, then there's a much higher chance that they're going to absolutely skyrocket. They're almost like an F1 car. And if we just put the correct fuel in there, oh my God, they will absolutely fly. Yeah, 100%. And like, what would you say to someone that is say at that stage now? What would you say to them? How do they know what is really high quality information versus what is something that they should just disregard? So number one, have your bullshit radar high. Hyper skeptical of every single thing. I used to listen to that podcast, the Diary of a CEO podcast. And then he had on your man, Tim Spector. Yeah. You had him on back in January, I think it was. Straight away, yeah. blocked the entire podcast. Maybe he has some good guests on, but I'm not running the risk yeah. of him yeah. of hearing nonsense. So I'm sure that plenty of his guests are unreal, genuinely, but I'm not running the risk. Immediately blocked. And there's other neuroscience people and brain hackers and these kind of people. Again, I'm sure the vast majority of their information is really, really good. But there's some stuff in there that I would mechanistically question, and they definitely do a little bit of, um, I suppose, celebrity science almost. And I have the skill set to disseminate the really, really good from the questionable. I just, I don't know. So I just, so I just don't listen to them. So that's number one. Keep that bullshit radar incredibly high. If you even have a whiff of nonsense from them, block immediately. Block. And from a nutrition point of view, if anyone identifies with the way they eat, so the vegan bodybuilder, the keto something, if you identify with that nutrition, gone, X, block, do not listen to them. Anyone who is like blaming one thing for a lot of problems, like there's an ex-bodybuilder who's getting a lot of hype on social media at the moment saying that this is causing you to get sick, this is causing this, this is causing that. Anyone who's making claims that X is causing Y, Z, A, B, C, D, F, G, everything else, block, immediately block. Look at the source. So who is the person? What's their background? The one I like is how many letters have they got after their name? Obviously, you've got about a million. But do, but do have a look. How many letters have they got after their name? What is their background? What is their qualification? Why are they saying mm-hmm. this? And even question them. Like, shoot me a message. You'd be like, well, who are you? Why should I even listen to you? What have you got to back yourself up? Well, like, what actual qualifications have you got? What, can you, what references can you give me? So definitely have a look at, yeah, have a look at the source. And then I would say, if you can get someone you trust and know who is good, feel free to message yeah. me. And if you can get them to show you one or two decent sources, once you get that base level of knowledge from these decent sources, when you have that base level, it becomes much easier to disseminate kind of fact from fiction. So talk to someone who you know who you can really, really trust and who does know their stuff and get them to point you in the right direction. There'll be a few good people out there. There's actually a few. There is so many good people out there. And if you can get a basic understanding from sources who have been recommended to you by someone you trust, then you'll get a base understanding. And then with the base understanding, things get an awful lot easier. Yeah, I think that's such, such solid advice. 
I think what you said as well about having the qualifications, I think it's really important that if someone is talking about nutrition and if they have like a PhD in something that's nothing to do with nutrition, it has to be focused on the topic that they're speaking about. And equally as well, you know, you don't have to have a degree or a master's or anything like that to have a good knowledge of nutrition. It's just a good indication. I think there's like a lot of really good courses out there on nutrition where like it's not a degree. So I think it's, it can be really difficult to know who's a good person to speak to. Even after me being in college and stuff, it's still sometimes like not the easiest thing. So I think having someone that you trust or someone that you look up to to kind of you know, ask for advice, okay, what, is, what do you think it is? I think it's just really a real skill to learn how to be critical of information. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that's really, really solid advice there. But just in terms of your sort of mindset, where you are now, even just hearing you speak, you have such a, a strong sense of like, if you are doing something, you commit to it 100%. And have you always been like that? Or like, how did you get to that place where you fully, fully show up for yourself 100% and show up for the things that you've committed to? Um, yes and no. So part of that kind of full commitment thing is my personality. There's no two ways okay. about it. I've just got a reasonably extreme personality. I always have. Like I was younger, I would have gone through quite intense phases, if you like, where I would have hyper fixated on one thing and gotten super into it. I got my, like would have mad into like running for a while when I was like 10, 11, 12 and would have been gone out in the rain when I was like 11 on my own nearly every night and just run for like 30, 40 minutes when I was in like fifth class. Just like wow. get after it. But just because I get, all, yeah. I get a hyper fixation on that. Then I got a hyper fixation on hurling for a while. Then I got a hyper fixation on kayaking. So I got like, again, super into kayaking and was like, going in to go for the worlds, then got burnt out and got bored and just sold my boat and stopped. And um, that was when I was like 14, like I would have been training every day, often twice a day if I could manage it. Then I got very into the gym, second year, third year in school. And um, like I would have been in second year sneaking to the bathroom to like slam some creatine because I was in my loading phase. That's true. I would have literally snuck in creatine to school. Gone, uh, oh, miss, can I go to the bathroom? Gone in, whacked back some creatine and gone back to class, like, totally daft. Getting, like, jacked. I don't know if to jack the pre-workout, like, that was... I mean, I was doping as a 14-year-old. And then, like, hurling, I would have gotten, again, obsessed with it, like, up against the wall relentlessly. So part of it is my personality. I often kind of describe it or think about it myself. It's, it's almost like like a fireman's hose. There's, like, this powerful kind of stream of water coming out. If I point in the right direction and control it, it can be fantastic. But it also can just shoot off in the wrong direction as well. It's just... I'm quite extreme, and all my mates who have known me since I was a kid would attest to that. Now, that being said, when I was younger, we'll say 12 until 17, I was very much on the path, like getting after it, very focused, yeah. and then kind of burnt out and very much lost my identity. I stopped playing sports for a while, and I lost my identity as being that guy. As, a, right. as being that guy. Like, I remember, I, like, I didn't drink when I was, like, 15, 16. And someone, I remember, asked me, like, oh, why didn't you drink? And I didn't say, but in my head, I was like, like, people like me don't. Like, I'm I'm that guy. Why would I drink? I'm that guy. Whereas then, by the time six-year-old round, I didn't feel like I was that guy anymore. And I lost my identity. So I very much, I suppose, sixth year, grand, like, did my best, but didn't really back myself. Probably started engaging in more self-destructive behaviors in terms of, like, 
just your normal like going out and stuff as a 18 year old in Ireland nothing hectic just going out as normal then like college came around that was four years in Galway and again unbelievable times made some of the best friends and had some incredible years in Galway but I was still engaging in kind of self-destructive behaviours there going out binge drinking you know like standard college stuff for an Irish student especially in Galway and um, but very much definitely wasn't backing myself definitely wasn't like didn't have that identity as that guy and was living well below my potential and didn't like feel like I could do these things that I wanted to do I just didn't feel like I could so then this brings me up to like we'll say January 2020 and at this age I was working on a recruitment job in an office I absolutely hated it hated it not the fault of anyone there or the company or anything just the headspace that I was in I was miserable going in every day absolutely miserable I was well overweight I never weighed myself I may have touched up to 100 kegs I was definitely overweight going out drinking and very unhappy genuinely there's no other way not like I wouldn't say that I was like it was not not a mental illness stage at all at all but objectively my life was shit I didn't have a clue where I was going, like at all. That was scary. I was like, I remember just going in and being like, oh my God, like, is this it? Is this the rest of my life? This was terrifying to me. Then January 20, that Monday, going on the train to work, it was the first Monday back to work after Christmas on the train between Leakslip and Clonsilla. It was about 7.27. It was a 7.22 train, so it would have been at 7.27. I just snapped and was like, I can, I remember I was sitting four-seater train on the outside, four-seater little bit on the train, you know, those Irish rail commute trains going backwards, listen to some trash podcast, half asleep. I was just like, here, what the hell are you doing with your life? You need to quit. Like, so then quit the job that day. It wasn't a religious experience, but I, the best way to describe it is as a religious experience. It was like a born again, Christian vibes, not that kind of vibe. And quit my job that day, started studying for the FE1s because I had done business and law in college, started studying Mm -hmm. for the FE1s, which are the entrance exams to become a solicitor. Um, and got into the gym like the following day joined the gym again like started really trying to get after it started studying for the exams and started trying to like reform my life and get back to being that guy and then obviously pandemic hit March 2020 and while it was obviously a nightmare and ruined so many lives and people died and everything it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it gave me that space to develop and to like push on to undo years of not backing myself in bad habits to become that guy getting after it and in that time then I started very much getting after it so like then we'll say November 2020 I did like a running challenge where I ran 7k every four hours for four days and um, which adds up to a total of four marathons in four days and um, so I started that at Tuesday 10 a.m so 7k 10 a.m 2 p.m 6 p.m 10 p.m 2 a.m bloody bloody blah, blah, blah for uh, four days that finished on Saturday morning so that was cool and then we'll say coming along then to August 21 became the first person as far as I know to swim from Galway to Inishmore so that was 20k nine and a half hours and then 2022 did like a photo shoot prep so dropped 26 kilos in 20 weeks wow four kegs to 68 got again nice and lean and pushed on and now here I am now so when you're at the original question, I've just gone given my bio here. 
the original question you asked was like about mindset and stuff. And a lot of my mindset is fueled by that bio. And that's why I gave it. So when I look back to the way I was in that recruitment job and kind of in college or just, just after college in particular, I was miserable. I didn't know yeah. where I was going with my life. I didn't know what I was doing. So I've now managed to find not only one career that I love, as I've said before, but two careers as a teacher and as a coach. That is wild to me. That is absolutely incredible. So I'm so grateful for that that I'm actually like, oh my God, you've got a chance here. So if I, like say, I was finishing last check-in last night, it was about 10 o'clock. But I'm like, holy God, I have the opportunity to help incredible people improve their lives for the better. That's unreal. Execute on that. Um, the fact that I'm doing like lesson plans or prepping or whatever. Oh my God, this is class because I get the opportunity to, again, help students. And this idea of like, I was living for years so far below my potential. So, so, so far down. And like, I know this whole thing of no regrets. I wish I could say the same. I can't. That's a massive regret for me. And I'm so cognizant of not having any more of those regrets of like living up to your potential. There's that phrase that I heard on a podcast before. It's like hell is lying on your deathbed, seeing the man you could have been and realizing you're fit to tie his shoelaces. And as a teenager, as like a 12, 13, 14 year old, I was that guy. I lost that. And now I'm trying to get back to that. And I'm trying to be that guy whenever and wherever I can be. So I do want it to be that when I look back on my life, and I'm like, yeah, deadly, you actually did all those things. Whereas if I had kept on that path in a job that I hated, I would have w completely wasted my life. And like that concept, that stoic, like I've got the, the PT manual, the daily stoic, I've got that there. And like that stoic concept of memento mori, where like, remember your death, like I'm going to die. Mm. And imagine dying and not having done these things that I've done. Imagine this potential. So like, it turns out that when I was in that job that I hated, this other future was there. That actually existed, obviously, because I'm living it. But another future also existed where I was a miserable binge drinking loser. That was a real future that existed. That, that was the most likely path. But due to actions that I took, I'm now living this future that is unbelievable. That is incredible. And that's very much what is driving me. The fact that my knowledge that like there are these two paths. And again, partly of it that I've got this extreme personality, I know that I could go down either way. So if I, I need to stay very much on the path, to quote Mr. Jocko. I absolutely love it. And like, what's something you would say someone like, you know, I think it's completely human to have these times where we just feel like we've lost ourselves. What would you say to someone who's kind of in the depths of that right now and they can't really see themselves getting back onto the path, as you said? So there's two metaphors I'd use for that, that I use kind of developing an issue for myself and that I also use with clients. So the first thing I would say is like, do something. Okay. Yeah. And do something is a relative term. Maybe all you can do that day is brush your teeth. Maybe you are, you are down, you are really struggling. Try and be as proactive. Like the name of my coaching company is ACTA, which is actions in Latin. Try and take an action. Okay. Maybe it's brush your teeth. Maybe it's just stand up from bed or maybe it's get out and go for a run. Maybe it's go to the gym. Maybe you have a higher capacity at that moment in time. So number one, do something. Okay. Mm -hmm. I spent two years studying for these exams that the FE ones that I'm never going to use in my life because I have zero interest in being a solicitor. 
but I was doing something. I was moving in some direction. It wasn't fully the right direction, but it was some direction. Okay. And I often use with this, it's kind of lumberjack analogy. So lumberjack cutting down trees. I look at the sharpening of the axe or how sharp your axe is, is your capacity at that time to get after a certain goal that you want and the trees as the appropriateness of that goal. So when I initially on that train, when I decided to change my life, I as a lumberjack was unhealthy. My axe in that my capacity and my focus was blunt and my goal, I didn't have any. So I didn't even have any trees. So I was a pretty shitty lumberjack. However, started being proactive with my health. So the lumberjack started getting healthier. I started getting a lot more focused and a lot more going towards something with my goal. So I started sharpening my axe. Now for two or three years, well, two years, I was studying for these law exams that it turns out I was never going to use. So that was definitely the wrong tree. But in that time, I was sharpening the axe. I was sharpening the axe. It was the wrong goal, admittedly, but I was getting used to getting up early. I was getting used to following your routine, to working hard being consistent, really getting after it. And so in that sense, I was sharpening my axe. And then when the opportunity came around to start teaching and to start coaching, my axe was sharp. So I then started chopping down the right trees with a healthy lumberjack and a hella sharp axe. So I'm just stocking up them. I'm stacking up them logs now. I am just stacking up them logs. But those logs are ready for a carrion. So I would say I that if you are in that position where lacking that kind of you don't know where you're going with your life cool you may not have the trees try sharpening the axe what proactive habits can you engage in okay we might as well get used to like getting up early or get a consistent sleep routine getting healthy maybe you want to try learn something being proactive sharpen the axe so that when that eventual goal comes round, like you're not going to find that goal drinking mojitos on a beach in bali you just aren't i'm sorry like they simply are not so when you eventually do find that right tree, ideal, high capacity individual, let's go. You can get after it because your axe is sharp. And the other one I would use, the other metaphor I would use as well is this idea of the boulder of momentum. Yeah, how dramatic does that sound? The boulder of momentum. So imagine that you're like standing beside this boulder, okay? And you need to get that boulder moving. This boulder is your momentum at any one time. If that boulder, there will be times when that boulder is on an incline and you need to just dig in and push so hard to even get that boulder to move a tiny bit. When you get that boulder moving, you push it, you push it, you push it, and you're digging in. And then eventually the ground will level out. Now the boulder's a bit easier to move. It's still hard to move, but it's still a bit easier. But then you start pushing it, you start pushing it, it starts rolling. The boulder will then, you might get a slight incline and the boulder starts moving a bit more, starts moving a bit more. Next, you can just kind of walk beside it and push it a bit and push it a bit. Now, you can kind of start just walking beside it and the boulder is moving by itself. You've got momentum. You're really moving. You feel like you've been pulled along. Then the boulder itself starts to speed up and you start kind of jogging beside it. And the next thing, the boulder's going downhill and you are being pulled along by the boulder, by this momentum. And like, that's how I feel like at the moment. Now, it took me years to get here. Years. It's only four years since I like decided to change my life around. So it may take that amount of time, but... Right now, I'm, I'm in a position where that boulder is pulling me along. I am being just pulled along by the momentum of my life, essentially, which feels unbelievable. It feels fantastic. So think about that. Where is your boulder? And as I said, it may be a case that you are battling that boulder and you just need to get it moving, but just get that boulder moving, build that momentum, 
and the axe will get sharp, the boulder will get moved. You'll start stacking up them logs, but do something. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think it's like, just start, just start something. I think it's such good advice for someone if they feel stuck. And then just to kind of sum up, what would you say is like some words that you live by or like a life motto that you live your life by? Definitely would be that, that memento mori. That memento mori, 110%. It's something that I suppose, again, due to reason that I've already explained, I'm cognizant of wasting my potential. And like, I see the potential in the young people every day. So I'm surrounded by these like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds getting after it, absolutely reaching their potential every single day. And I see all potential in them. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to waste my own potential. I don't want to be on my deathbed being like, okay, you didn't live up to what you could have done. I didn't become who I could have been. Mm-hmm. I didn't become who I was meant to be. That is terrifying. That is absolutely terrifying. So very much memento mori, remember your death would be one of my driving mottos. Um, or there's another concept that I would talk about that I've talked about on my story a bit. And that would be kind of, that's burn the boats. So it's this idea, I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's this idea where when the conquistadors landed in Mexico or when Alexander the Great landed in a new place, first order they would give would be to burn all the boats so that retreat would not be an option. They removed mm-hmm. the option of retreating. They removed the option of failure. And therefore, it was either success or death. That's very dramatic. I'm a theatre kid, as you, as you can tell. But that idea of the removal of choice. So like when my alarm went off today, I had made the point with you to be on this podcast. Alarm went off at half three. Yeah, I jumped out of that bed because you better believe I was not going to miss this because I removed the choice. It wasn't the thing that I could do. So when things are getting tough on like an endurance event or like in life, that burn the boats, like you've committed. Retreat is not an option. You need to move forward. And that removal of choice is a very powerful concept if leveraged correctly. So things are getting grim burn the boats is something I say to myself on a day-to-day basis memento mori it's definitely the overarching philosophy absolutely love it listen feedback it's an absolute pleasure thank you so so much for coming on the podcast such a great chat my pleasure here thanks very much for having me